There's an echo here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Unlike 
you know, dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling <laughs> and screaming. And I'm Devilhead Monster has arrived, guys. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one of my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. show and we are attempting to do this thing. we think we have all the keys figured out but every time that that, that happens it's it's not the, the case the joining us is uh jesus i mean adam jividin uh <laughs> he's gonna help us with the homework card we're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna get you an ohio state background adam uh good morning adam how are you sir <laughs> i'm doing good I'm good, good. And we are live on our fa- uh, uh, facebook fan page and uh uh, we're going to be sharing it, and, and go ahead and feel free to share it, Adam, on yours uh, feed as well. But guys, also make sure that as you as you're watching this feed, that you go ahead and hit follow with us as well. And my comrade, as as always in the college football world, is Rick Riggin. We have uh, not heard from uh, Scott Lamb. We think he may have been kidnapped by terrorists and thrown in the back of a dark van. We're not exactly sure about that, but we are trying to. Uh, locate his handler and see if we could get him on. Uh, Rick, how are you, sir? <laughs> Hopefully, we we still have a beacon on him. I, I'm not sure. Well, guys, let's get right into this. I mean, all joking aside, this is one of the greatest weekends for college football. And I know we like to talk about all the other things in college football, but one of the biggest games today is the Army Navy game. Game. I, of course, I was Army. Uh, go Army, and uh, Rick, you were Air Force. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the importance of this matchup. Of course, we know that today, anyway, uh, Army comes in. It's a little bit different. Army's coming in as the the favorite in this game, and certainly a better uh, in a better situation than Navy. And it's being played in West Point without. But I don't know. Are they are they allowing the students in? I I would hope they will. I don't even know about that to be honest. Uh, go ahead, uh, uh, Rick. I'm going to tell you what, that's really one of the things that make up, uh, make up the game. Adam, I, I know you're not military, but I know you have a lot of respect for the military. You have a lot of uh, family that have been in the military. Navy, if I, if I might, my memory serves me right, so your family might be rooting for Navy today. But go ahead and talk to us a little bit about the Army-Navy game, Adam. Yeah, you know, the Army-Navy game, I, 
I actually I've I've had grandpa was army. My other grandpa was Air Force. Um and then uh I've got some family that are Marines. So kind of all all take all, them all, right? Yeah. No, I I think with the Army Navy game, I, I think that's one of those things I remember because obviously at this point traditionally Ohio State season is done. Um and so it's one of those things that's cool to kind of sit back, you know, you're done and you're able to like just enjoy two teams that have massive respect for each other. Um, and, and you know that it's two programs, if you want to call it a program, that do things the right way. These kids are playing football for the love of the game because most likely, maybe at most one player that's playing will play on Sundays. And so they're not playing to, to, to get NFL riches. They're not playing for – they're playing because they love, they love football. They're playing because they want to represent – um, their branch of the military. And it's just, I think it's just one of those things. It's always, it's one of the best sports traditions in existence. Um, and, and I just, I think the Army Navy game is one of those things every year that you just look forward to um, as kind of a, 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 a thing that we can just enjoy kind of as, as sports fans um, coming together um, to watch these two groups. And then, and, and, and they will, they will battle hard but they're rivals, but respectful rivals, which we have kind of lost today, as you will learn about if you haven't heard the news from that team up north. <laughs> <laughs> and what a segue that is. But one of the things we'll see here is a, a low penalty game. And in, in a recent format, both teams are very, very disciplined uh, teams, and in, in that comes from that military structure. And, you know, we could probably name on one hand of, of uh, there have been a, a handful of uh, cadets that have went on to play in the NFL, but made a very valid point there. They're not playing for the Trevor Lawrence. You're never going to see a Trevor Lawrence. Or, you may at some point uh, see that. But, you know, it's not anything to any, any uh, final comments there, uh, uh, Rick, before we move on to the touring uh, from the King of the World. They're playing for the pride, too. These are the two biggest military branches in the world. So they're playing for that pride, too. And they, they, they want to go out and hit each other and play for that pride. So this is what makes, this is what makes college football great, uh, this game right here. And if you want to see college football done the right way, you want to see it done the way it used to be played, Honestly, too, this is the game to watch. It's always fun. I think Army comes in at around a seven-point favorite in this game. It, 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 it's hard to say, really. It's one of, I, I'm picking Army in this game, uh, but I don't know uh, really what to make of it every year because it's, uh, it's a hard-hitting game. Anybody can win. It's always a, a, a close game. But uh, if you watch the two teams play, uh, Smiley game, watch Navy this year with that first game against BYU where they got slacked. Uh, I know they, they, they've improved since then, uh, but this is going to be a hard-hitting and running offense for, for both teams. So, <laughs> might be a little boring. It might be a close win for Army, but I am taking Army. And oh, one other thing, uh, real quick, as I uh, uh, try to just make the show a standstill here, uh, Army is rolling out these uniforms today. I saw, that. I saw that. Yeah, let me, uh, let me just get out of the way of this. How about uniforms, please? Those are awesome. That is sweet. I love it. I love it. Show everybody out there. It's really cool. The game's part of this, you know, so uh, so one of the best things about college football is this game, so I can't wait to watch it. 
I tell you what, it's going to be great. And, and, and Rick is awesome, our official graphic, graphic guy. So we, we let him roll with the uh, graphic pattern. Adam, let's talk a little bit about we're going to, I'm so glad that you're on. You missed our, our Facebook Live event on Wednesday when we really broke this down. And, you know, we, we kind of talk about this from a lot of different angles. And we'll just start with uh, the, the clear and obvious answer, if you will. The first time in 100 years, Michigan's not playing Ohio State. And we like to say Michigan, I mean, not we, but Ohio people like yourself like to say the team from up north. Uh, and then uh, they say the team from down south, actually. And, and here, here's the thing. You could have thought they wanted to play this game because it's very well could be one of the last ones that we see with uh, Jim Harbaugh. Let's talk about the screwing, if you will. <laughs> Can we word it that way? Go ahead. So, yeah, obviously news came out on Tuesday that the the game was going to be canceled. And uh, for all the ESPN pundits who apparently don't know how facts work, um, that team up north, the University of Michigan, canceled the game. We wanted to play. And keep in mind, against Michigan State, the team that beat them, we were down almost our entire starting offensive line and our top backup. And we were down our captain and starting middle linebacker and a bunch of other players in the secondary. And we still beat the socks off those guys at Michigan State. So then Jim Harbaugh and their crew of idiot savants uh, decide, oh, we're going we're gonna to feign when Kirk Herbstreet called them out on the college playoff show two weeks ago. Oh, we're going to act all upset about it because how dare you mention such a thing? We would never cancel unless we absolutely had to. And so then they leaked to the press that there were 40 cases of COVID in their football program. That, and so that's why they, they have to, with heavy hearts, cancel the game. Shut up. The word came back yesterday. You tested the entire athletic department. You had 13 cases, nine athletes, four staff. In the entire 2,300-person athletic department. We're not talking the football program. All athletes training right now, 13 cases. And that's why you cancel the game? You are a coward, Jim Harbaugh. You are a coward, and you didn't want to get the butt-whooping that Ryan Day had prepared for you because Justin Fields was going to hang 100. We weren't going to pull starters at all. We were going to go for the jugular. Ryan Day wanted to put an end to the mirage that is the Michigan football program. They think there's something special. You haven't won a national championship since I was in elementary school. You haven't had a remotely decent player in the NFL that's not Tom Brady in eons. Give me something good that your program has put together. The best case scenario for your team, supposedly the best team that he's ever had, the team from a couple of years ago, the team that lost to Notre Dame and then came to our house and said, oh, we're, it's the revenge tour. We're going to hang it on them. Lost by 37 points. So just stop. Stop giving me this hail of the victors crap. You haven't been victors since, like, my grandfather was in the freaking military. So, like, give it up. Your program is done. Jim Harbaugh is probably going to sign an extension, which is the greatest thing for Ohio State fans because we will beat you every freaking year. Because guess what we also did last night? The Ohio State football program, headlined by Ryan Day and Brian Hartline, just signed Emeka Ebuka, the number one receiver in this upcoming football graduating class, 
that gives us the number one receiver in four straight classes between Garrett Wilson, Julian Fleming, Emeka Egbuka, and then Caleb Burton, who signed with Quinn Ewers, who they're calling the best quarterback prospect since Peyton Manning, straight out of Texas. So good luck because the train's coming for you. And next year, if we can't hang 100, we're going for 150. And that's out of Jimmy. That is why we bring Adam on to play the homer card. <laughs> Fire, hey, man, I'm, I'm with you 100%. But let's also talk about the other angle of it here. Uh, not only did Michigan screw Ohio State, but but the Big Ten, and, and we know, and Adam, I know we talked a little bit about your talking things on Wednesday. You know, no matter what happened, whatever, they were going to, they were going to, they were going to uh, be able to, to win the game. Uh, but, but here's the big, big key factor here, a scenario that we played out on Wednesday. We don't think it's going to happen. But if Northwestern beats uh, Ohio State and Texas A&M gets the win, right, that makes the door in a crowd for Texas A&M to push uh, out Ohio State from the college football playoff. Well, I mean, if, if, Ohio, if we lose next week to Northwestern, we're out. I mean, that's, that's not even a question. I don't think we're going to lose Northwestern. The biggest thing that we needed for this, our secondary is super young. We're basically starting sophomores and a, and a few freshmen that are, that are getting significant playing time. We need reps. So more than anything, we were going to win this game by a crap load, but we need reps. And, and you're starting to see the secondary come together. We saw a great performance by them against Michigan State. The Michigan State offense is in. Eh. So we needed reps. That's more than we need at all. I, I, what they're doing um, – it's been reported that what Bay is going to do today is as close to a simulated game as possible, ones versus ones, um, to try to just keep on getting those players reps um, as we train for Northwestern. We've got Northwestern coming up. And then obviously, you know, I hope – I here's what I want. My ideal scenario for the playoffs and is this. I The only time I will root for Clemson is next week for one reason. I think Notre Dame can beat Alabama. I think Notre Dame has the Notre Dame has the best defense I've seen this year. Alabama's defense is incredibly suspect. There's not an offense in the SEC that can touch them. Um, their defense is is not good, or it, it, especially on that back end. I think Notre Dame can beat Alabama. I want Clemson because the other thing that's happened this week is Dabo Sweeney's out there running his mouth to anybody that'll listen about how he won't even say Ohio State's name. There should not be a team that is going to be six or seven and zero. Those that team's not as good as Florida or as good as Texas A&M because he knows. They got one over last year on us because the rest were abysmal. Everybody acknowledges it, and we are coming for you, Dabo. We are going to put you in the dirt. You know, and, and I want to see a, Mich- a, a Notre Dame Ohio State matchup for the national championship would be sick, and it would be the best show we've ever had. Well, I, we're not we're not going to see. It. I mean, I, I'm sure you I'm sure you want to see it. <laughs> 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 I'm sure you want to see it, Adam, but, and I, I guess I'm going to play the mainstream media card here. I, I don't see a Notre Dame Ohio State game, but I do agree with you that it, it would make a great one. But I, 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 want, I want to get your comments on Donald Cooney. That literally, and, 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 uh, Adam must have my show notes right here in front of me because that literally was my, my segue in to talk about Donald Cooney and his that he had agreed with a I honestly, as far as the playoff game, I don't see why we can't do eight games with that eighth game being kind of like a, a roll of the dice. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, uh, Rick. You're on that. You're on that. And uh, there, there's two things 
Clemson, when he comes to Ohio State being the top four, if Notre Dame gets blown out by Clemson, uh, Notre Dame might fall out of Ohio State's going to be in. But if it's a close game, right, Notre Dame loses a close game. They're going to stay in. If Florida beats Alabama, I think that's going to push Ohio State out. I, I think just that sixth game, when it comes to that scenario, is just not going to be enough for, for the uh, committee. So, I think Ohio State needs to be the biggest Alabama fans right now. And then there's another team out there nobody's talking about just yet. I mean, there's been a few that talk show radio guys during the week. USC wins today. They're also 5-0. They want to go to the Pac-12 championship game and be 6-0 probably and be in the same situation as Ohio State is right now. With arguably, I know Ohio State has a better win against IU, but overall, the competition USC plays, arguably might have been a little tougher schedule for me. I don't, I don't know. That's up for today, but there's going to be two teams now, two blue blood teams, USC and Ohio State, with the exact same situation here. But nobody's talking about USC. So Adam, what are your thoughts on that? Well, this, this is why this is why a playoff system of four teams is stupid. When you have five major conferences, and then you always have an outlier like Notre Dame, like Notre Dame as an independent in most years, in every year but 2020. Uh, if Notre Dame is a top four team, they're going to get a spot. And so if you're if you're saying well, we want the top four programs, but a bunch of people aren't going to see USC play. You're not to not even give one or two conferences a shot. Cause, I mean, because that's happened any time that they double up from the SEC. Uh, you have two major conferences that don't even have an opportunity. Is just stupid. The the fact that and to say like, well, it's because we don't want to add an extra game to the schedule. Okay, everybody decrease their schedule by a game. But I, I mean, there's no reason you can't go to an eight game because especially how many times have we seen teams that take a loss early that are significantly better down the line? Um, that happened with the, the Ohio State team that won in 2014. We lost early to Virginia Tech. By the end of the season, we were destroying people. Well, what happens to a team that, that takes a loss in a normal year in like week six? But because their conference is not perceived as as good as the SEC, because the SEC this year is two teams. It's it. I, I think Texas A&M is a fraud because they haven't played anybody. They don't look as good as, look as, good as that fifth rank. <clears throat> no. If I, yeah, if I say it like that. But, but Florida is, is legit, and Alabama is obviously very, very good. But you go from there to, like, Cincinnati is curb stomping people. They're not going to get a chance. USC, they had a a really big scare week one against Arizona State, but have been playing very well. They're probably going to get a shot. Um, Oklahoma is playing much better. Or Iowa State. Iowa State has lost two games. They've lost to the team ranked 16th and the team ranked 19th. If they beat Oklahoma, you're telling me they, they're not as good as potentially a two-loss Clemson? I don't – I mean, because especially, let's just say Notre Dame beats Clemson. You'd have three undefeated teams, and then everybody else has two losses except for Texas A&M, which hasn't played anybody of merit outside of Alabama. So this is, like you said, Rick, if there's ever a year where they should have tried, let's do eight teams and just do three rounds, this is the year. But, of course, they didn't do it. We're, we're talking to Adam Jim and Adam, Ohio State, Buck Homer, and Rick Riggin. We are still trying to locate his effort to rescue Scott Lamb. We, we located his peak in there, uh, Rick. We have not. Well, 
that, that's, that's all good. But I do want to continue this on, and, and, and we're live here on Block Talk. Just call 917-889-8516 if you have any any any, any talk on the college football scenarios. I do want to talk about one of the biggest games last week that we saw, and that is uh, uh, Coastal Carolina and BYU in a good game that was. Uh, start with you, Rick. Let's break that down, and what does it mean for both teams? And, and BYU decided we, we had two things here. Notre Dame decided that they were going to join the ACC conference. A lot of people say that that pays their way into the college football championship. or pretty well maybe a national football championship. There is that that side of the argument. And the other side of the argument is BYU the ultimate. Um, uh, the ultimate uh, the ultimate independent team, if you will, decided uh, uh, to stay independent and play Carolina. And Adam, and just a moment, I want to circle back around. I want to talk. Uh, not only did you get the experience with uh, Ohio State in, in, in uh, Michigan, you also got the experience with Liberty. So we're going to get to that here. Just a second. Let's go right ahead. Let's talk about those two scenarios that I just ran by you, sir. Well, one thing that BYU and Colton Carolina proved is you don't have to wait weeks or months or whatever it is to schedule a game. You just have two teams say, hey, let's play each other, and they go play. So I would have liked to see, and Adam, I, I don't know how you feel about this, I would have liked to see the Big Ten let Ohio State step out of conference and just go ahead and shut A&M down. And that way there's no debate here as to who's really four who's really five, right. you know, considering the, the amount of games Ohio State played yeah. at A&M right now. Uh, and may have, like, bumped up a team like Cincinnati something. You know, because Florida being that five spot, and then Cincinnati be really close to six, I feel, if that was to take place. So that's what that game proved. As far as those two teams, maybe what is difficult for Carolina is say, hey, maybe we're the best, not our five teams, and not Cincinnati. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I think Cincinnati's still a better team. I hope I, in 2020, I mean, maybe they can just play each other and settle that debate, too. But, uh, that would really get a little late in the season. But that game, that BYU Coastal Carolina game, to me, just proved that you don't have to wait around to schedule games. You can just say, call up the team, hey, let's go play. Because our opponent canceled, your opponent canceled, let's play mm-hmm. each other. And that's what they proved. That's what they went and did. And it was great for college football. That was the hell of a game. Yeah, there you go, Adam. I mean, you're right. It was a great day for, for both programs. And we look at the, the end of the who would ever see a Notre Dame and a BYU championship? My God, what would be fun to watch? Go right ahead, Adam. Be good. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, you know, from from my perspective, I was super bummed that, that – uh, Liberty had to had to cancel. Um, I've got my graduate degree from there, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my dude. dad attended and, and, and played for uh, the, the soccer team um, there um, when the school first started. I, I was we were bummed, you know, to see Liberty kind of have this ascension these last couple of years. You know, they're, they they've made the NCAA tourney and won a game uh, the last time there was a tourney, and then um, you know to see the football team really starting to to make significant strides under Hugh Freeze is awesome. I, we were really looking forward to the, the Liberty Coastal Carolina game and then, and then COVID struck. So of course it did freaking 2020, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think BYU, the, the, the one caveat being is that it would, it, you could definitely tell that BYU was a little step behind because they're the ones that had in, in those scenarios, it definitely puts the onus on the team that's traveling, um, putting together a, a, a game um, that late on the schedule. It's, it's really tough on, on the staff. Um, but 
you know, it, it can be done. Like, there, it's not like I, – I think that the situation where you wouldn't want to do that is, is playing some of, like, the – well, the, the, the military pro- service programs that run, like, that triple option. That's absolutely terrible to try to play against because nobody uses it. But – Oh, absolutely. Like, I would not want to play them on short notice. But, like, uh, I, I, I don't see – Ohio State coaches on Twitter were openly stumping for let's, let's get Alabama. And then, and then, of course, it gets brought up to um, – uh, gosh, uh, Texas A&M's coach, um, Jimbo. Jimbo. And, and, of course, Jimbo. He, was like, he, was like, he was like, yeah, that, that sounds good, but we're not going to do that. And, and then the Big Ten was like, yeah, that's not happening. And a big reason, honestly, I think the Big Ten did this initially because they were still pissed off about Nebraska being the ones that openly campaigned for the – Nebraska and Ohio State openly campaigned for the football program. You can't talk smack against Ohio State. We are the bell cow for your conference, and if we leave your conference, y'all are screwed. Um, so they weren't going to do that. But Nebraska had a game canceled early because of COVID, had another opponent lined up, and the Big Ten said – no, 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 no. And, and a bunch of people that really pay attention to the politics right now of how it's happening in the Big Ten think that was just to screw Nebraska. But then they had to go with their precedent. They didn't think another team would try to do that. Well, somebody to play this week. Oklahoma was like, if, if y'all will do it, we're down. Um, uh, Oklahoma said that. Texas A&M was like, nah, we'll pass. But not being able to, to, to compete. Exactly. And so it, it really it – really, unless there was another cancellation, which is why there was a potential prior to the IU-Purdue both having flares, there was a potential for another Ohio State-IU game, which would have been wild. Um, so I, I just think that, you know, it, it, it's a bummer. I, I don't really know. Nobody knows what the Big Ten offices in Chicago are doing right now. Like, Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, if he has a job next year, he has the cushiest job since being Peyton Manning's backup quarterback. Like <laughs> when you were Peyton's backup, you're like, I'm going to get in for about four snaps this year and, and make $2 million. <laughs> but, but, you know, I don't know what Kevin Warren is doing. Like nobody does. And, and so like yeah, what – I got a question. I want your thoughts on this. What's your thoughts on this what IE and Northwestern play for the Big Ten title? And then Ohio State and Wisconsin play a shadow Big Ten title game on the same day. It's, 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 Ohio State, another, like, great opponent in, a, in an argument to make, you know, only playing six games to be one of these top four teams. I, I, it's, it's exactly what we thought. That was, was the scenario that we say that. Yeah. Great question. Great question. Thanks for bringing that up. That's exactly what we talked about. I think, I think the scenario, this is what's really hard, is it's one of those where I, what, when they created the conference championship model, they didn't want to have – they wanted to kind of leave no shadow of a doubt. So there was never like an asterisk or anything like that. And what's tough is when, what do you do when the team with the best record in the conference that beat, let's just, because IU would beat Northwestern. I have almost zero doubt. IU is the second best team in the conference. Even without Penning. Northwestern starts beating Penning, guys. Because the thing is, even without Penning, that defense is good. Like, that's what I was going to say. Beat without Penning. put everything on Yeah. Go ahead. But what's tough is that – and that's and I think that's the, that's the frame that the Big Ten was trying to avoid. Um, frankly, in my opinion, 
what all the conferences need to do is do what the ACC does. And the Big 12 does the same thing. When they don't, get rid of the divisional alignments so you can still have all – and then it's just the best two teams play. Doesn't that like, seem like the most logical – It isn't that hard. In any sport, right. why do we have to make it so hard? We talk about because, it. because this year, this year, it's very, very clear the best two teams are Ohio State and IU. IU beat Wisconsin and, and it would beat Northwestern, who are the best two teams in the West. I think there's a there's a lot of scenarios where the best two teams in the conference um, have been in the same division. It's happened a lot. Um, the year that Michigan State um, beat us and then went to the conference championship, um, and then they beat well, it was Iowa. I think it was that was a terrible game. The best two teams in the conference were Ohio State, Michigan State. Why not just ha- let them duke it out again? Like, and that's where in that scenario they just need to get rid of these stupid divisions. And let the best two teams play. Because, again, to your point, you're getting another data point. You're proving – and if it's – I mean, rematches are always great. Uh, the Ohio State-Wisconsin rematch, for example, last year, the first game, we beat the pants off of them. Second game, they gave us the biggest scare of the entire season. We're talking about Adam Jevedan, uh, Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State. Oh, Ohio State. Oh, Ohio State. He hasn't been told that November's over yet, so he can't say. Oh, I don't. I, no, this isn't. I, this has been since like April. This wasn't a no shave, no, no shave November thing. I, I didn't know if this was a a casual with Jesus and nope. <laughs> church, nope. If I, let my, if I let mine grow like that, like my granddaughter is going to be something on my last time. She does that anyway. But, all right, guys, we're going to be right back here. We're talking with uh, Rick Riggin, uh, our college football extraordinaire, and Adam Sibbanan. We have a beacon out on Scott Lamb. We'll get a future rescue out to him. We'll be right back right here on the ground. Real quickly, we're not going to be doing anything for about the next a minute and a half, two minutes. Uh, so just go ahead and just uh, do what you got to do. But as we're going to radio, come on. That's right. We're going to be on a TV timeout. We'll be right back. Right on. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 
or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Right. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. No, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Show up for a game or two, 
and hopefully they got that out of the way this year against Louisville, only winning 12-7. Hopefully that was their game they didn't show up for. But if they get blown out by Clemson, I don't know what the committee does then, especially if Florida beats Alabama, then that might knock Notre Dame out. I'm not real sure at, at that point. If it's a close loss, if it's a good competitive game, Notre Dame wins a, a close game, uh, they're in regardless of what happens. But a blowout, uh, I just know as an Irish fan, they have a game they don't show up for, so that's in the back of my mind. A blowout loss might push them out. Go ahead, uh, uh, Adam. Let's get your thoughts on that, and then I'm going to go with the worst case scenario for Ohio State. We'll go to the worst case scenario than these others. All these them, we still have some college football time. So go ahead, Adam. Yeah, I, the thing that's tough is I, I, I totally. Uh, I, no one knows what the committee is thinking right now. This is the biggest challenge of the college football playoff every year. Is it feels like the field the, the field goal posts are, are moving. Every year, every year, this group's looking for this. Every year, that group's looking for that. If you ask me, what's the single best win this year in college football? It's pretty easy answer. It's Notre Dame over Clemson. I don't care that Trevor Lawrence was playing. DJ Ukulele or whatever. Ukulele. <laughs> yeah, like he put up exactly. He put up exactly the same types of numbers. This kid was the number one quarterback in his particular class. Like he's he's gonna be a, 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 a he's gonna be good. Um, as I mentioned, I think Notre Dame has the best defense in the country right now. Um, their linebacker play is special. Their defensive line play is good unless the linebackers flow to the ball. And the secondary is good enough in a year where secondary play is really hard because all the defenses are a little. Right. All of the all of the offenses are vastly ahead of the defenses when you don't get the summer to prepare. Because um, with all the rule changes, it makes it easier on offense. Um, so I, I think even if let's just say the score is 48 to 10, I look at and that and they're pushing for freaking Texas A&M. What one win does Texas A&M have that's better than Notre Dame over Clemson? There's not one. And that's that's my thing that I come back to in my I look at the top four teams, and I go, it's Alabama, it's Notre Dame, it's Clemson, and it's Ohio State. We haven't seen enough of USC. Personally, I haven't because they've been playing, like, at random times um, all over the map. So I haven't – yeah, it was super weird. So, like, I I don't really know. I haven't seen them personally. But for me, there's a very clear division between those four teams, and then I would put Florida, Cincinnati, then maybe Texas A&M. Kellen Mond has no business quarterbacking a team that's ranked fifth. He's terrible. Like, he's terrible. Uh, Like, how terrible is he? Terrible? (laughs) (laughs) No, and and, and that's the thing is is that they, they were trying to talk about on ESPN that, you know, well, that big Texas A&M win over a tough Auburn team. I was like, who's Auburn played? Like, and that's the challenge when this year you had no out-of-conference game. Like for Ohio State, we were going to play Oregon in week two, and that was going to be one heck of a game. Um, so when you, when you don't have any interdivisional or interconference games, or out-of-conference games, excuse me, you lose that ability to place perspective on how good is this conference compared to all of the others. 
And, and Notre Dame, that is the best win. So even, even with a Notre Dame loss, I mean, it would have to be one heck of a blowout with some injuries to Notre Dame. Like if there was a scenario where uh, there was injuries either to like some of your big-time players, whether that's at the court book, right. the, your, your, your safeties, um, um, Oluwosu Koromoa, if he goes down because he's the – Freaking monster! Um, you know all of those. <laughs> hey man, that is so no no joke. So, that is one of my dad's my dad's friends. My dad knows him well from church, and they text all the time. So, but yeah, it's it's one of those scenarios where like I don't I don't see they can look at the balance like the schedules that are on the table and go Texas A&M's resume is better than Notre Dame's resume, even with a Notre Dame loss, even with a bad loss, because everybody forgets. Texas A&M got boat raced by Alabama. Like, that game was close for, like, a quarter and a half. That's the worst loss in the top five. It was terrible. So, if you're going, well, but they they got beat. Well, so did they, and they have a better win. And that's what I just – I feel like there's no scenario if – there shouldn't be a scenario where even with the Notre Dame loss, it lets Texas A&M in. Now, I know the the ESPN is pushing for it, but that's because they have the freaking SEC contract. Right. Well, guys, we're talking with Adam Givenaire, Ohio State fan, and, and uh, welcome to the media, uh, the uh, Ohio State media, if you will. Let's talk about the worst-case scenario of Ohio State. Oh, actually, Ohio State is almost there right now. Right now. The Buckeyes are scrambling to find the sixth game in order to meet the, 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 the requirement of the change of Even if the Buckeyes don't play, whatever happens, they can have a strong playoff. With the sixth game come next week, I don't want to argue about Ohio State being in the playoffs. Perhaps maybe against Iowa or Wisconsin. But if the Big Ten had not waived that requirement, then the Buckeyes would have had a problem legitimizing a playoff team with the, uh, with the Buckeyes, uh, especially with if Clemson beats Notre Dame. So whoever the opponents are over the next two weeks, where as we as we discussed before, the worst case scenario is just a loss uh, boots out Ohio State and pushes up Texas A and M. Adam, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, and unfortunately, I think to help um, ease people's concerns, I think Ohio State just needs to put a hurting on Northwestern. I respect Pat Fitzgerald and what they're doing up there um, in Evanston. It's a hard place to recruit to. Uh, and he's got them perennially in. They're like that Wisconsin, where they're just they're good every year. They don't meet themselves. But Ohio State needs to win like 52 to 10 just to leave no doubt where this team stands. Um, and, and, yeah, a loss next week would put us in a scenario where I'm going just – just give us a bowl game against Cincinnati. It'll be fun for our state. We don't give a crap what everybody else thinks. <laughs> that's, that's where I would stand on it. Um, I, I've left no, no uh, doubt what I want. I want Clemson. I want to shut Dabo up. Um, we, we had their number last year, and every bad officiating break that could have happened in that game went against us um, between the – the Sean Wade targeting call against Trevor Lawrence, who has gotten players all season tar- like kicked out of the game for targeting because he lowers his head. Um, and then you had the Jeffrey Okuda uh, strip fumble touchdown that was taken off the board. Like, I mean, that was just that was, it was disgusting. But I want Clemson, and Ohio State wants Clemson. And 
and especially in a year where we didn't have the ability to take our frustration out on Michigan, <laughs> <laughs> we're coming for y'all. And, and that's the thing. That's, that's, that's what, and I think that, you know who else wants that game? The television program of television provider who would be hosting that game. Which would be, that would be ratings gold. <laughs> hey, there's nothing better than ratings gold right now. You're watching Facebook live here with the balance also. We're doing the simulcast on the radio. Uh, program 917-889-8516 is our radio uh, number. Join us. We are doing a, a, a dual uh, thing, if you like. And uh, Adam Dividend and Rick Riggin, and we've got a speaking out for Scott Lance. Coming up later, though, is Ed Kratz will be joining us on this Facebook Live. We're going to be talking about the breaking news uh, with Carson Wentz and uh, the Philadelphia uh, to make a move on past that. And we'll get into some NFL talk here in just a second. But I do want to get into our our Eisman Trophy normal talk and, 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 and Adam, I know you're going to hate me for saying this, and I and I've oh, never really, out. Out. <laughs> you know, so that's fine. Yeah, so so uh, just to be able to do a talk, in my mind, we have got to move on past even Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we've we got to move on to Kyle Trask, back to Florida. I mean, this guy is an absolute beast, and I can't find anybody else that's more deserving of the 2020 Ivy Trophy uh, than Kyle Trask in Florida, right? Florida, right? Yeah, uh, he's got the offense rolling in Florida, and uh, – yeah, I, I want to throw out another name out there. I know we've talked about Kyle Trask, but the way that the season has gone and me being another name over, why can't we not put Ian Buck in the conversation? Uh, he definitely deserves the that. Uh, when the team ain't going to make a play, he makes a big play. He's put up some great numbers this year. Uh, the Irish would not be nowhere near as good. They would not be as successful as they are now without him. And the Ivan go to like it's like an MVP award, the best player in the team, right? And Ian Bush has definitely been that for the Irish this, this year, uh, the way he's commanded. Yeah. The wow. and you know, you know what? You know what? I, I actually brought – yeah, I actually brought him in the conversation two weeks ago. I don't think he's, he's there to the, the candidate to win and, and I know you're a Notre Dame guy, and I wonder if you were a Ohio State guy or another guy, uh, would you be talking about your book as well? has kind of devolved into that like who puts up the most numbers for a notoriety school that's it um and so it's it encourages these coaches that don't have any don't care about sportsmanship or anything like that to leave these quarterbacks in ridiculous numbers against teams like Ole Miss right or Mississippi State and you know, Trask is probably going to win. It's, right now it's Trask and it's Mac Jones from Alabama. Uh, this is going to be one of those cases where the guy that wins the Heisman, you're going to look at him, whether it's Mac Jones or Kyle Trask, because I don't think either one will be successful in the NFL. I just I, I know a quarterback, and I'm usually right on quarterbacks. I've had only a couple quarterback misses in the last handful of drafts. I wasn't a big fan of Justin Herbert, and he's lighting it up. But at the same time, a lot of guys light up their rookie year, and then the next couple of years, defenses figure them out. So, I mean, we're seeing that to a bit with Lamar Jackson. Um, 
but I, I think Trask, Trask is going to win. He's putting up they're, – they're trying to compare him to Joe Burrow, except the defenses in the SEC were a lot better last year. Um, he's putting up ridiculously good numbers. But, uh, again, I, I think the, the defense in college football this year is just – it's kind of pitiful, um, which, is what, which is why I say what I say about Notre Dame, is that on film it's the best defense I've seen. They fly to the ball – I mean fly to the ball and, uh, and, and just wreak havoc um, in the backfield. So I'm, that's – Trask or Mac Jones are going to win. Um, it's going to be one of those years where you look back and you're like, oh, that guy won the Heisman. And he's out of the league, huh? Like it's just. It's like the whole Geno threat thing. Yeah, it's you know. I, he was like forty nine years old when he won the Heisman that year. Kyle Trask reminds me. Kyle Trask reminds me for NFL fans from the last decade of like a little bit better Chad Pennington. Like you watch the ball come out of his hands, and Pennington was incredibly accurate, but it has like zero zip. It just kind of like into the receiver's hands, and that doesn't work in today's NFL. Those kind of balls get picked off all day long, Um, or they just—I mean, it just—it just doesn't—it doesn't work. And then, and then Mac Jones, that dude gets happy feet within like a second and a half of of there being. If it's not a perfectly clean pocket. Yeah, in Oh, uh, Najee Harris. Yeah. But you know, Mac Jones is is putting up big numbers because, especially when they still had Jalen Waddle, Alabama's receivers are just all he does does is throws up jump balls. Like he just throws deep ball and they run around it. That's it. Getting bad feedback. Yeah. Stand by. How's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad, 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 bad. Bad. All right, hold on. I was afraid this was going to happen. <laughs> now? Uh, yeah, that's now. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's just. I mean, but Trask is going to win. Um, or 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 you could see a, a late surge from Mac Jones. But I, I just, it's the 2020 Heisman is just going to be one of those years where we look back and it's going to be just a very forgettable year because we know that the best, probably two quarterbacks aren't going to win it. Um, and the fact that Book isn't even in the discussion is frankly disrespectful. I Just give Clemson competition. 
And Miami yep. obviously has the, first, the the recruiting grounds to do it. They've just been a dumpster fire since Ohio State beat them back in 2002. Their quarterback, De'Aaron King, I want to see that matchup against Sam Howell Yeah. Yeah, I've I've got yeah, I I think I've got Miami taking it kind of in a squeaker because I like King better than Howell, um, but I think it'll be that'll be one of those where it's like forty two to like forty five or something like that. Um, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm yeah, back. I'm back. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. And there is some more echo feedback here. I'm, I'm happy to hear you. are back in charge again, Rick. Right? Here's the question here. Well, I'm going to – yeah, I'm going to have to get going before we talk NFL talk. I want to give you guys my Browns-Ravens prediction sure. before, I, before we bounce. I've got the Cleveland Browns. Winning 27 to 24. I go the way that I see it is I see it being a really tough game, really, really tough defensive struggle. Miles Garrett's going to be living in Baltimore's backfield, especially with Baltimore's offensive line being beat up. Um, Baker Mayfield makes, I've got, I think, I think he goes for two touchdowns, um, one to a tight end, um, and then one to good old reliable number two, Hollywood Higgins. Um, number 82, uh, and I think then you see in the fourth quarter a couple big Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, like ridiculous, like one of those runs where you're like, and there he goes from 55. <laughs> like happens almost every game. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're just yeah. Yeah, I I got the Browns winning, and then that heads into the Sunday Night Football matchup next week against the Giants. Um, the Browns are are rolling, um, and and I think uh, Kevin Stefanski should be right now coach of the year. Got it, Tom? You back? I think so. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> are, are we getting feedback still? Yeah. What about you? Uh, what about you uh, I've got yeah, it's a it's a little echoey, but that's it. All right, I'm All still, right. I'm still, I had to change out. I had to change out here. Uh, what about now? What about now? Is it better? Is it better? Mm-hmm. How better? How better? Okay. You are absolutely right. You are absolutely right. We're going to watch the commercial break. 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 We're going to watch the Nobody's even looking me in my eyes Can you take my hand, finish my drink, say shall we dance? Hell yeah, you know I love you, did I ever tell you? You make it better like that Don't think I fit in at this party 
Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Right now, I just need you to get real loose. Get comfortable. Grab your loved ones or grab your love partner. And if you're by yourself, no worries. Just follow after me. Yeah. Gonna do the two-step then cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin. All right, welcome back to The Balance. My name's uh, Tom Marcos, El Presidente. We are live on Facebook, at least I think we are. Rick, are we live? I am not hearing you. I do not know what's going on here. I see your lips moving. I can't hear you. Keep talking. <laughs> so, Rick, we're going to have you just uh, handle the show for just a minute. That's why I try to fix my my ears here. <laughs> so, you, you, whatever you're saying, I can't hear you. Just keep talking. I'm fixing it as as we speak here.
Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep, I hear you. Uh, I think we're still getting feedback, though. What about now? Yeah, I hear you just fine. All right. Now we're rocking and rolling. See how you see how I changed my uh, background there for a moment? Because <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I felt like. That's what I was going through. <laughs> what we got next on the show here? Is it uh, Tony? Uh, stand by. Can you hear me now? Yep, I hear you. All right, All right, so, so hold on. We got yeah, another, another echo throb here. here. Okay, what about now? Yeah, I hear you just fine. All right, now we're back. Here you are. How are, how are we? How are we now? Sounds good. Okay. All right, guys, I want to apologize to the audiences that are watching this on Facebook and watching this or listening to us on uh, <laughs> Blog Talk. Had a little bit of an ear issue, and uh, so I, I had to um, change earbud issues uh, were, is what was going on. Tony's not going to be able to join us. He has something going on, so it's just you and I, Rick. I apologize again, guys. Uh, so let's just uh, let's just kind of get back into what we were what we're, where we dropped off on nothing like uh, just working on it on the fly. I, I think we have located Scott. He's just um, not going to be able to get away from his captors today. No, no, not today. <laughs> so Rick, we were talking a lot about the, the, the scenarios, and you heard Adam talk about some stuff. So let's just kind of recap what we talked about. But I do want to get in the coach's hot seat and a lot of stuff we want to talk about over the next half hour uh, and, and see where, where we're at on, on, on things. Um, one of the, the scenarios that we, we talked about was a, a, a Notre Dame-Alabama matchup. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, see, the playoffs, it, it's a big money grab also. So I don't know how things are going to work out after these conference championship games are over with. But already the thing out there is nobody's going to want to watch Notre Dame-Clemson again for a third time, which could happen in the national championship game. That's different. But we don't want, people are not wanting to see this ACC title game next weekend. And then two weeks after that, the first round of the playoffs, Notre Dame and Clemson again. So – how these games shake out and how they do the rankings is going to be based off this uh, the ratings grab, this big money grab that uh, that the college football right now, playoff right now, is really truly all about because that's the reason for Ohio State being in the top four is because of the attention that, that, that they bring. Uh, every other year, Notre Dame plays 12 games. They're not in the conference. So they uh, – they don't have that 13th game, that 13th data point, a conference championship game to go off of. And it's like the whole, like, sky has fallen down on the whole rest of the college football world because Notre Dame doesn't play a 13th game. So they play one last game than everybody else every year. Well, this year we see Ohio State is going to be playing five less games than everybody else that's around them in the ranking. Mm -hmm. And we're just, everybody's just going to pretend like that's not even a big deal. But I know as an Irish fan, every year, everybody makes such a huge deal about Notre Dame playing one less game than everybody else. Well, here we have a situation where Ohio State's playing five less games, and we're just going to pretend like that doesn't even exist. So it's all a big ratings and money grab. 
And that's the main reason why Ohio State, the, the playoff committee, it's also Gary Barra. He's the president of the playoff committee, and he's a uh, uh, he's the athletic director for Iowa. So uh, when teams make the, the playoff, they get like the schools get like twenty million dollars, twenty two million dollars, something like that. So obviously Gary Barta is pushing for that because when you're in the conference, those schools have to share that money with all the other teams in the conference. So I think that's also a bunch of bullcrap myself because uh, letting Ohio State in to get that money, to get that big paycheck, that big payday, when they've only put in half the work of everybody else that 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 that's ranked around them. I, I think it is not a good look, and I think the Big Ten has mishandled this whole COVID situation since the start. We're talking with Rick Riggin, our college football extraordinaire, and we were just joined by Adam Jevedan. You know, we're going through some of the, the worst-case scenarios, if you will, and let's, let's go to Clemson. Clemson's worst-case scenario is simple. The Tigers are likely out if they lose to Notre Dame for the second time, and, and that gives Clemson two losses and no losses no, and, and no two lost teams have, have, have made the playoff, even ha- however Clemson uh, could have a chance. But a Florida win in the SEC championship game would make that impossible, Rick. Yeah, if all things hold up, Bama beats Florida, but Notre Dame beats Clemson again, and is going to get that fourth spot. Uh, and I would think – I want to know how that will play out because then you have Notre Dame beating Clemson twice. And my mind – and I – not saying because I'm an Irish fan. I think that's more impressive than what I, what Alabama has done this year. I think Notre Dame should actually slide into be the number one ranked team in the country and play against A&M in the first round, who slide in as number four in that scenario. Because you beat Clemson twice in one year, uh, you probably should be the number one team in the country. So I think in that situation, yeah, Clemson's definitely out. Notre Dame should move up, and Bama should slide down to number two. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our coach's hot seat, if you will, and let's go around the table what we think may happen. Uh, obviously, the white elephant in the room, if you will, or the blue and green elephant in the room is Jim Harbaugh. Let's start there. Yeah, Adam mentioned it earlier that he's probably going to sign an extension. I have not seen or heard anything about that yet. I know his contract uh, expires after next year, so if they want to move on from him, uh, there wouldn't be a whole lot of money involved to pay him not to coach next year. Uh, I do not see them firing Jim Harbaugh. He's like one of their favorite sons. Uh, what I see happening is maybe they mutually uh, part ways after this year. Uh, but I know Jim Harbaugh. I think he's a great coach still. I, I think he wants to get it done at Michigan, and I think he doesn't want to leave that program. Uh, but just how badly it's gone and how much he's getting crushed and with fans and media and everything year in and year out. And he can't beat the rivals. He did beat Notre Dame once last year. Uh, he crushed Notre Dame, actually. You know, that's one I want to erase from my memory. But uh, <laughs> I think what he has to do is take the Brian Kelly approach. Uh, Notre Dame did this, like, in 2016 and went, like, 4-8. and And then Brian Kelly tore down the entire program and rebuilt the entire coaching staff and got, you know, just took on a different mindset. Uh, the mindset was playing not to lose. Right. And then since that season, uh, the mindset has changed. They're playing to win. And that's two different mindsets. It's the mindset mm-hmm. you have to have in college football. And Brian Kelly tore down that program and completely rebuilt the entire coaching staff. And I think Jim Harbaugh needs to maybe do that uh, with his coaching staff because uh, they're very predictable in offense and defense. 
uh, teams have just uh, picked up on that now. They got the blueprint on everything that they're doing. So he needs to tear it down and rebuild it. You know, as we talk through the uh, the, the hot seat here, we're talking with Rick Riggin, our college football extraordinaire, uh, and we'll be joined uh, here in about 15 minutes from Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to get into a lot of talk with what's going on in the NFL. There's also the hot seat that's going on over there. We'll talk about that, but we've got a lot of big names, if you will. And let's just kind of, let's talk about here closer to home at Purdue. I mean, uh, Jeff Brown, we were just a couple years ago, we were talking about, man, this dude is, is the hottest commodity out there. and He's the next NFL coach. But now we're really talking about uh, Purdue might be moving on from Jeff Braun. I mean, what what are that what what a cycle that was, huh? Yeah, I I think at a school like Purdue, it's more of a basketball power, not a football power. Sure, right. And and, and and the year of COVID, I think Purdue hangs on to him for another year. They they're not going to go on a coaching search and you know on a football for a football team that or all teams really didn't really have a, a summer camp, didn't practice, didn't prepare, or really play the games that they're. Uh, normally would play. So it, it, it's a weird year uh, like that. Yeah, I, I think Purdue is one of these schools that would not fire at Jeff Brom yet. Uh, he was a hot coach. I know uh, Louisville wanted him last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he went and played for Louisville. So that would have made great sense. But to me, that's like a sideways move, sideways move instead of a move up. I don't see Purdue firing your head coach. But you saw South Carolina uh, fire Will Muschamp and uh, – Vanderbilt fired Derek Mason. So there are teams this year that are getting rid of uh, their head coaches. I don't see Purdue uh, doing that with Jeff Brom, though. Again, the the our, what I would say in our top ten, I'd say eight to eight or nine of those top ten are names that we've talked about being really hot commodities. Let's talk about Gus Malzone out at Auburn. There's another one where we thought we thought it's going to happen. We look at Scott Frost. Uh, Tom Herman, obviously, maybe he saved his job there or not. Uh, you know, uh, we, we talked about Jeremy Pruitt down in Tennessee. They're all those are all big names. Uh, Scott Frost in Nebraska, uh, Dino Barber's in, in Syracuse, uh, and, and Kevin Sumlin down in, in Arizona. These are all uh, really big name coaches that probably aren't going to have a problem finding a, a, a job elsewhere. But what has it been about 2020 that has just made us say it's time for a change? Well, it's Scott Frost, Frost's case. It's like this Jim Harbaugh thing. Uh, he's one of Nebraska's sons, right? Outside of Tommy Frazier, uh, Scott Frost is probably the, you know, the big, biggest you know, name as a player anyway for, for Nebraska. Well, I would say you know, also in Dominican too. But, uh, yeah, he's not coaching material, obviously. But Scott Frost has the head coach. Uh, I don't see Nebraska moving on from him. Uh, I don't know why he hasn't got that program turned around just yet. Uh but in a year like this year, I think uh, a guy like Scott Frost stays. Uh, Jerry Pruitt's interesting, though. Uh, what does Tennessee do? Because that's, now you're in the SEC fan base, which are uh, – that's, that's an angry fan base. You know, it, it, they take a loss, they're angry. They want the coach fired after a loss, right? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of teams. Uh, but at Tennessee – uh, they haven't been the same since uh, Phil Philip Palmer, right? You know, they had Lane Kiffin. He moved on. They've gone through a handful of coaches now. Uh, I don't know if Jerry Pruitt can get that program to being as successful as it was in the in the '90s under Philip Palmer. That's what they that's what they want for that program. But I don't know if Jerry Pruitt's that guy. And I will say, you know, 
I can't think of the coach right offhand, but he's the assistant head coach for uh, Lincoln Rylan, Oklahoma. His name's Shane. I can't remember his last name. Well, anyway, you can look it up. <laughs> uh, he took over the head coaching job at South Carolina now. So, And uh, I think Vanderbilt is going to go after Clark Lee, defensive coordinator for Notre Dame. He's a national guy. Uh, I don't want uh, Clark Lee leave for Vanderbilt because I think Vanderbilt and South Carolina are – maybe the two toughest programs to recruit at in the SEC. Uh, Vanderbilt has this uh, really high academic standard to play, to play sports there, but they're in the SEC. So just to cut that academic standard, you can't recruit at Vanderbilt. And then South Carolina, it's tough to recruit there because look at geographically where they're at, where they line up in the SEC. Uh, they have to go against uh, Florida and Georgia and Alabama to recruit, to recruit. And even in their own state, they have to recruit against Clemson. So that makes that a, a really tough job and almost impossible to recruit at South Carolina. So, but, but he's a disciple of Lincoln Riley now. He's uh, taking over the head coach of South Carolina. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. But it, it's recruiting is what kills these programs. Can we move on past the conversation of Urban Meyer and Fox Sports? Yeah, get- I, I don't think he's coming out of the, the broadcast booth uh, anytime soon. I think he's happy there. Uh, with with the, the health issues that he's had, uh, he has come out this week and said that if he gets back into coaching, it has to be a perfect and uh, capitalize every single letter in the word perfect uh, for his health, his family, and maybe you know, what the team has coming back because he doesn't want to rebuild a team. He wants to, to come into a winner. And, uh, but I don't see him uh, coming back as being a head coach again. I mean, that, now he's a couple of years removed from it. Uh, it gets a couple more years, and it comes even less and less likely, I, I would think. I think Tom Herman's job might be safe. Uh, Texas has some big boosters, and the boosters make all the decisions at Texas of hiring and firing head coaches. I think he stays on for another year. But if I was Texas, I'd be looking at Luke Fickle for Cincinnati really hard because if they're not going to get over Meyer, Luke Fickle is the next best thing. He's the Urban Meyer guy. I mean, he's Urban Meyer disciple coached under him at uh, Ohio State. Uh, he's an Ohio, Ohio State guy. So if they want that Urban Meyer coaching tree, that bloodline, I guess, Luke Fickle is the next guy. And that's who Texas uh, really needs to be talking to. And I think we're, or I think here, let me just double check here. I think we're joined by Ed Krabs. Ed, are you, are you with us, sir? I think he's still trying to connect his audio. We we don't hear. I, I, I do see the E. We see the E. He's coming. We can hear you. Just turn your camera on, everybody. Okay. I hear him. I hear him. <laughs> oh, there he is. Hey, Crash, how are you, sir? Yeah, you <laughs> All right, so we. Uh, Rick's in the big house there, huh? Yeah, I tell you what, Rick is our official graphics guy. <laughs> And, and, and those that are on the air with us, we are joined on our Facebook and Zoom call right now with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and SI.com, our official uh, uh, NFL contributor. Uh, Ed, if you want to just go ahead and call in uh, on regular, how was uh, we're gonna we're gonna play technical stuff here because uh, how was Adam doing it? He had he had the earbuds in his ears. And he was listening. He so, yeah, what we just just call in the show and uh, you can actually listen to us once you call on the show through that. 
and, and we'll still be able to see it through Zoom. So that's that's all you got to do is is plug in your earbuds to your cell phone, Ed, and call in like normal, and then we'll be able to hear you on the radio and on Zoom. Life is life is just 2020 has just changed our whole world, hasn't it? It's coming together now, Tom. It's coming together. He's the only one. He's the only one with no facial hair and no head hair. So. <laughs> It's that Vin Diesel look. Baby. <laughs> All right. I'm calling in now. Okay, I'm watching for you, sir. All right. Live radio and live Facebook. It does not get any better than this. Yeah, you know, I wish I would have bought stock in Zoom back in uh, <laughs> exactly yeah. pandemic days. It was like 30 Thirty-three dollars uh, a share. Now it's up close to four hundred. It's like back in nineteen ninety. Man, that's it's crazy. Not stalking Google or something because yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's too high now. I think if even though I think it's going to keep going up, I think it's still too high at three thirty or whatever it is, three forty. Yeah. I think it is. So for those watching on Facebook Live, that we're have Ed Kratz. He's the beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, Sports Illustrated. There's a little something oh. going on in Philly this week with the new quarterback. We heard the rumor. <laughs> I, I'm still waiting to see you. Oh, okay, there, I got you. Okay. I got it. All, All right. All right, so we're getting feedback, we're getting and I'm sure probably from you, Ed, unintentionally. So maybe uh, – There. There. Can you hear us? Can you hear us? Yes. Okay. okay. Just turn just turn your volume down on your phone just a little bit. Or or, or turn it face down. Is that better? Uh, a little bit. That's not better here in Echo. Yeah, me too. I can hear myself in somebody's background. It was actually better when I wasn't on my phone. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. The whole thing the whole trying, thing to, trying to integrate more talk and Facebook. They don't talk to each other. Go ahead and turn your phone on. Okay. Well, what about now? Can you hear us now? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Just yeah. fine. Yeah, can and hear. I have no echo, so we can hear you. Like it was before. Yeah. yeah. Can you hear us, Ed? That's the most important thing. Yeah. All right. Now we're back in business. See? You know, it's like when you call into a show and they're like, "Turn your radio down." That's it's the same pro, same same premise. So, you know, hey. We don't we don't we don't have the big time budget like Fox Sports and ESPN Sports does. So can you hear me now still? Yeah, we can hear yeah. you just fine. Can you hear us? Can you hear us? I hear the echo. I don't hear the echo. No, we're we're good. Oh, Every, echo. Everything's good. Yeah, we're good. All right, let's get back on track. We're talking with uh, Ed Kratz is joining us now. We're live on Facebook. Uh Rick Riggin and Scott Lamb has been kidnapped. Uh and he is uh we found his beacon, but he's not gonna be able to escape his 
his captors today. We were just joined by Adam Jividen, and uh, we're joined now by Ed Kratz. We were talking a little bit about the college football playoff scenario, and let's talk a little bit about how Michigan basically put the screws to Ohio State. We've been kind of talking about that, talking through that. What, what are your thoughts on that as far as, you know, for the first time in 100 years, Michigan and Ohio State isn't going to be playing, and it really forced the hand of the Big Ten to play the hypocrite card because, like, well, now we got to change it so that there's a that, so that there's a Big Ten championship game with Northwestern and Ohio State. And the thing about it is, if Ohio, I mean, if Northwestern pulls out a a, a win, that really does just knock Ohio State out and puts uh, Texas A&M on the map for the college football playoffs in 2020. What are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I'm not real sure why Michigan bailed on Ohio State. Was it the COVID situation? I think it, that was their excuse anyway. <laughs> That's the excuse. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think it would have mattered much anyway. I think Ohio State would have steamrolled them. And I yeah. think that Northwestern's going to get hammered too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the Michigan so, reported earlier in the week that they had like 40 to 45 players that were affected by COVID. But then we just learned, like yesterday or late last night or whatever, that really the number was 13 people within the entire athletic department. Which is, was yeah. was so, so they they really it sounds like they just ducked Ohio State. It sounds like they just dodged yeah. the, taking a beating, you know. So you know, I I, I want to take I want to take this seriously, and I don't, certainly don't want to make light of it. But it seems like uh, COVID has become a very easy and accessible excuse because it's just like who's really going to challenge these results and by the time they were able to challenge them it's it's almost like it's too convenient that just all of a sudden that it happened especially the way things panned out with the 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 big 10 rule i mean don't you think it's just a little bit too much coincidence i I know i'm putting on my tinfoil hat here but don't you think it's just a little bit of a coincidence that that happened there We saw it with Clemson and Florida State, right? Clemson flew down to Tallahassee, and Florida State had, I think, one case of COVID, and they opted not to play. So, yeah, I think it has become an excuse. I mean, it's like if you don't, it's like if you don't want to go to work and you want to call in sick, you know, you're not really sick, you just call in and say you have diarrhea or something because they're not going to come over and check. It's almost like that in a way. Well, and, and Rick is Rick is going to have to go back to work on Monday. Rick has been in in quarantine because uh, your son and I have been in quarantine. Yes. Yeah, but, but you know what? I'm going to tell you what he found a way to get on the golf course yesterday, Ed. I'm just saying. I I, I don't know about this whole quarantine thing. Yeah, yesterday was my uh, day back into society. Day uh, day out of quarantine jail. So, <laughs> well, guys, normally. Normally, we'd be taking a break here, but we've had so much going on and on trying to sync everything together. We're going to just keep on moving because we do have Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. Ed, uh, let's, uh, let's go right into our NFL segment. Big news coming out of the Philadelphia Eagles camp. Uh, Carson Wentz is no longer uh, QB1 uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I guess the question is, this is, writing's been on the wall for a while, and maybe this is a wake-up call for him, but... 
do do they is is he going to be a permanent QB two? And the rumors are starting to circle, especially since we now know that Philip Rivers is going to have to have surgery in the off season. That so that's basically going to put him at least off kilter at the beginning of the thing. So those rumors are starting to spark up a little bit about conversations between uh, Carson Wentz, Frank Reich, uh, and the Indianapolis Colts. Maybe that decision's already been made, but not public. What are your thoughts? Well, that's the natural connection, really, since the two have quite a history together. Uh, But, you know, look, right now we're looking at Jalen Hurts for Sunday against the Saints. And, who knows how he's going to look. I think he's going to get these final four games, but Doug Peterson did not commit to that. So maybe Carson comes back at halftime. If Jalen Hurts is really stinking it up or even next week in Arizona, I, I'd probably tend to doubt that. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with Hurts and how he looks and how you can evaluate him. And I don't think you can evaluate him on wins or losses at this point. Um, I kind of equate this to 2012 when Nick Foles took over for uh, Mike Vick and he played five games. He only won one of those games, but it put him in the conversation in 2013 when Chip Kelly came on board and Foles had a fantastic 2013. He had the 27 touchdowns, the two interceptions. So I don't think we'll judge hurts by wins and losses because he's still playing with the same offensive line that has allowed Carson Wentz to get sacked 50 times. Not all the other lines fault, but that's an issue. The line, uh, the wide receivers are young, struggling to get open. They're still there. Uh, so a lot of the elements around Hurts are still the ones that were around Wentz. It's going to depend on how Hurts looks with his accuracy, how he does in leadership-wise, getting the, guy, the team in and out of the huddle, running the offense. Um, there's going to be a lot of different evaluating factors for him. Rick, what are your thoughts? Carson Wentz moving in the traded. I think you have to look at how Hurts does these final four games. Well, didn't they? I mean, let's. I mean, didn't they bring uh, Hurts on uh, Ed to basically be the heir apparent? Well, I, I, you had just given 128 million dollars to Wentz the summer before the draft. I think they brought him in as kind of insurance in case Carson got hurt. He was a cheap backup for four years, uh, an understudy to Wentz. And then maybe halfway through that four-year cheap contract of Hurts, you see how Wentz is playing. Nobody saw Wentz struggling like this this season. And that's kind of, you know, when you look at the hindsight thing as to why you drafted him, um, no one saw this coming. Everybody thought Hertz would just sit and percolate on the bench for a year, two years, and then evaluate Carson, see where you are. But I think he was brought in more for an insurance policy, given the injury history of Wentz, and he was a cheap backup as a rookie on a rookie contract. Uh, go ahead, Rick, you're up. The injury history and how the season has gone. Would the Colts take on that, that contract, that Carson Wentz contract, giving everything that we know so far? Yeah, I think they would. I mean, you look at they paid Philip Rivers what twenty five million for this year. So really, you're mm-hmm. you're paying thirty four million, I think, for Wentz. But they would view him as a longer term option. I mean, he's got a contract that 
that will pay him for two seasons at least. They'll have a good offensive line in Indianapolis. I mean, I'll give him that. And so they have a good old line. World, be a world difference. A commitment to the running game. Uh, I, you know, maybe they even try to get Zach Ertz. You know, one of, yeah. <laughs> one of Carson's favorite targets at tight end. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the Colts would pay it. The question is, would the Eagles do it? Because they would absorb most of the cap hit. Okay. I wasn't sure how that worked. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the Eagles would have to uh, eat like 20, I think it's $30 million in dead money, which would mm-hmm. be a record. Wow. Uh, that might be a deal breaker right there, money. you know. And the cap hit would still be, well, the cap hit would still be about $25 million to not have a player on the team, which is significant. Now, it drops a lot after June 1st. It would be $9 million in dead money, and it would only be about a $4 million salary cap hit. But what team is going to wait until after June 1st to bring their quarterback on board? You want the guy in there in the spring yeah. to go through your OTAs. Um, that would be a long shot to wait until after June 1st. So it's up to the Eagles. The Eagles have to decide whether or not they're comfortable taking that kind of hit and what they're going to get back for Carson. Would Indianapolis give up a first-round pick? Well, let's, uh, we're talking with Ed Kratz. Uh, thank you for joining us here live on Facebook. Uh, and uh, as, as you can tell by looking at uh, Ed, uh, Rick and I have a Facebook radio, and, and we've been watching uh, – Ed, we've been watching you on TV for a little bit now. So, man, you're starting to become quite the – Quite the uh, uh, Facebook video, and I remember a few years ago, you didn't even know what Facebook was. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Book of Faces. So let's talk a little bit about the matchup this week. We know, obviously, that Jalen Hurts is, it has his first career start against the number one defense in the NFL, and the Saints are allowing 289 yards per game. Uh, but, you know, if you want to look at a bold prediction, the Saints running game, Alvin Kamara and a very – Latavis Murray, sorry, uh, will gain more than 100 yards. But I tell you what, I, I honestly think that, you know, I think Justin Hurts feels like he's got a lot to prove uh, in his first career start. And, I, I, I mean, I would not be surprised or shocked if the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Saints, especially because they're not even they're, – they're not even playing Drew Brees, even though I know that, that that's been okay – but I just feel like the they're Eagles, competing without Drew Brees for two seasons now. I mean, they're like something seven or eight in right. the past two years. Uh, and Taysom Hill getting the job done, and they're really great defensively. Right. So, Ed, what are your thoughts? You got the Saints this week, and you know what? There's still a lot of talk about you guys winning your division. So, uh, talk to us about the Eagles and the Saints. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Nobody's talking about that in Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's a really interesting matchup because when Jalen Hurts was drafted, Doug Peterson was asked, could this be a Tyson Hill situation like we see in New Orleans? Will there be a package of plays for him to run, throw? And it really didn't develop that way. But uh, Peterson said they looked at a lot of Hill tape uh, over the last four games, and they might institute some of the some of what he does into Hurts' game. Uh but the Saints have done a great job running the ball since Hill took over. I think they're running the ball more than they're passing it. And Hill's a big part of that run game. 6'2", 220-pound quarterback that can run. And he's physical. 
Uh, and he's coming along as a passer, not setting the world on fire, but he's getting better. And I could see him taking over for Breeze next year for sure. And you wonder if the Saints aren't just a little bit better with Hill at quarterback the rest of this year. He's good. Um, because he does give you that dual threat of run pass, and he's a very tough runner. Uh, so I think we're going to see a, a game where there's going to be a lot of running. Mm-hmm. The Eagles are going to try to commit to the run with the read pass option with Hertz, who's a threat with his legs. No doubt he ran for over 1,000 yards at Oklahoma last year. Uh, and we're going to see he'll run the ball with Kamara and Murray. The Eagles have Miles Sanders, who's averaging 5.3 yards a carry, one of the tops in the league. Uh, so I think we're going to see a lot. Of, if you like a game where there's a lot of running and a fast-moving clock, I think you're going to see it on Sunday. Well, guys, we're, uh, we're playing the home card here. We're going to move on over there to Rick, who's with us. Uh, his he is the uh, Lions uh, and the Packers. Uh, the, the Packers come to, to Detroit. The Lions were certainly got a, a shot in the arm or a spark, if you will, uh, Rick from a coach from going on from Pat, Matt, Matt Patricia, which probably should have happened long before it did, uh, to Daryl Bavell, which is certainly an intern coach. We'll see where they go this week. But, I mean, they can only carry a team so far. Green Bay is certainly one of the best of the NFL teams. And, and the Lions' poor defense is still the Lions' poor defense. Not not much of that has happened. So many holes to fill there. The Packers will will not will will probably uh, set not one but two milestones. First wide receiver Devontae Adams will probably catch a touchdown in his eighth straight game uh, to break Don Houston's early 80-yard uh, uh, team record. And secondly, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Well, he's Aaron Rodgers and he's my fantasy quarterback, and he will throw for a touchdown pass uh, to get 40 uh, 40 on the season for the third time in his career, which will be the most in NFL history. Yeah, the Lions fired Matt Patricia, but they're not going to beat the Green Bay Packers this week. Rick? Yeah, I agree with you. And in a year with the NFC, uh, who's the best team in the NFC this year? It's probably Green Bay, honestly. I mean, it might even have the best record. But uh, they still have Aaron Rodgers. That offense is, uh, with Devontae Adams is, is ridiculous. And right, yeah, the Lions struggled defensively. Uh, I don't know what it was with the Patricia's defense he brought over from New England. It's like the the band, but don't break. Give up a ton of yards, but then don't let, allow touchdowns. Well, the bad thing about that, everybody's scoring touchdowns too. So uh, it, it's kind of that same philosophy. Uh, it, it's an audition for Daryl Bevel. I mean, I do like the, the team last week against the Bears, but it was the Bears. So we'll see how they handle uh, the offense in Green Bay. I I do think that they look like they're playing more free and happy and loose last week against the Bears. So maybe they can uh, keep some sort of pace with, with Green Bay. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, it's going to be a tough one for, for the Lions. I don't see a win here. And it's a five-game audition for Darrell Bev- Bevel. He's passed the first one already. So uh, we'll see. I'm just looking uh, at the uh, – yeah, who, who who are they going after next in line? There's a ton of names out there, but definitely right now the uh, the auditions for Daryl Bevel. Well, you would hope that whatever coaches they bring on board is going to uh, uh, change up that defensive uh, scenario and and feel that that uh, maybe they hire a defensive minded coach. It hasn't worked for them yet. Ed, what are your thoughts on the on the uh, Packers and the Lions? Well, man, I just saw the Packers last week toy with the Eagles. That's what it looked like. I know the Eagles fell down 23 to 
three, and they came back to pull within a touchdown on a great punt return touchdown by their rookie, Jalen Rager. But, man, Rodgers and Adams is such a dangerous combination. Mm-hmm. And if you don't shut that down, you're in for a long day. The Eagles couldn't shut it down. He had two touchdown catches. And I just don't see how the Lions can do it, to be honest. Daryl Bevel or not, I just think the Panthers are kind of on this Super Bowl express here. I mean, they look like the best team in the NFC. And if you look at what Rodgers is doing and then you look back at his career, which I had a chance to do going into this game against the Eagles last week, and he's better than Brady, in my opinion. I mean, Brady's got more Super Bowl rings. Mm-hmm. But Rodgers, to me, is one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen. And I remember Montana. I don't go back as far as John Unitas. But he's to me, Rodgers is the best quarterback I've ever seen. And I watched some tape on him this last week. And, man, he's good. And I, I would like to see him win another Super Bowl just for his career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a big task for the Lions. The big question to me is, to Rick, is why do the Lions like hiring defensive coordinators? I don't think they've done Matt Stafford any favors. No, right. Not bringing in kind of an offensive-minded head coach. And well, like I, going that direction <laughs> this offseason. I, I think, yeah, you're right. It's front office, the leadership here. It's the same organization that took a wide receiver number one for like eight years in a row, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, with Matt Mellon. You're right. <laughs> yep. I like the Eric Bieniemy or a Joe Brady there in Detroit. I know Robert Saleh there at the defensive coordinator at the, the Niners is getting a hard look because he's from Detroit and the Lions are actually he came out they're, they're his favorite team growing up, you know. So there there's that storyline with it. But I'm with you. I want to see Eric Bieniemy or, or Joe Brady, somebody like that in Detroit. Yeah. Hey, did I mention that Aaron Rodgers is my fantasy quarterback? I didn't know if I mentioned that or not. <laughs> Very wise move. Very wise choice. Hey, guys, let's go ahead and play my homer card. Obviously, the Colts are at the Raiders out in Las Vegas. Uh, certainly, the Raiders will be trying to, to get the running game going against the number seven ranked rush defense in the NFL in the weeks at 8 to 10. Las Vegas, though, has averaged 190 yards per game on the ground. I mean, here's what I look to happen. I know I'm wearing my, my Homer hat. I don't have it on right now, but I will be wearing it tomorrow along with my uh, jersey, and I'm going to be uh, obviously rooting for the Colts. But I think the Colts will come alive again with the defense. That defense with the Colts is certainly an answer to prayer, certainly what we've needed. We are on a roll, and we are tied for first with the Titans. Uh, so what a great win that we had last week, and what an incredible that win that was. Can I just say, as a Colts fan, we did not deserve that win. That win should have not have happened, but it did happen. And, my God, I, I think I had a freaking heart attack and had to be brought back to life. Because right there when we ended the game, I think I lost consciousness there for a minute. No. But I think the Colts will sack uh, Derek uh, Carr for at least three times. Uh, at least three times. Carr has been sacked five times over the past two games by Atlanta and the Jets. Uh, teams – both who have the bottom in the NFL and defense. And let's face it, it's the other way around with the Colts. The Colts maybe not have a, a comfortable win, but I think they'll have a much better win than they did last week out in Vegas at the Raiders. And what uh, happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas because we're bringing a win back home to Indianapolis. We'll start with you, Ed Kratz. What are your thoughts? The Colts 8-4 out the Raiders 7-5. and five. 
huge game for playoff uh, positioning here. You know, like you said, the culture tied with the Titans. And the Raiders are, I think, were seven and five, and they're they're still in the mix for a wild card spot. Uh, so this is a huge, huge game. And the Raiders are, have been weird with that offensive line. That's very good in run blocking, but they don't seem to be able to hold up well in pass blocking. So uh, I like this matchup with the, the the Colts have. To be honest, I, I think it'll be a tough game. Um, that's a beautiful stadium in Vegas. I can't it wait is. to go see it when things open up again. Uh, but the home field to me doesn't matter much this year. So I don't, you know, I know they have to get on an airplane and go quarantine inside the hotel and they can't really get together as a team, which sucks. But We have like blog talk jumping in here, Tom. Yeah, I see it. When I had my internet late, everything is, the show didn't stop. It was just, it took a second for it to, to come back gotcha. to me. So we're good. We're Sorry, you just saw that on your screen. That's all you saw there, uh, Rick. Nobody. No, no, oh, you heard it. Oh, okay. Well, sorry. Don't know what to say, man. Sorry, man. And you, and you don't do that. All right. <laughs> I'll say that. Chase and the Dolphins. Uh, what did you say, Ed? I said it's good to see you guys' faces, though. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you, I'll be a lot better. And your face is much better than ours. You got the Van Diesel look, as you said. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll have we'll have to have you well, join. There you go. Right, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to have you join our uh, virtual cocktail party sometime. We had one last week. It was a it was a a lot of fun. And uh, I sent I sent I sent it. It's on its way, man. I I sent uh, I sent uh, Rick. I sent him some uh, Tim Smith's uh, Climax Moonshine. So. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Rick, you got to send Ed and I both some of that chocolate bourbon. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find it around here. I can't find it around here. There it is. He, he may or may not be drinking it right now. I'm assuming that he's not, but you know. Not yet. <laughs> I, he sent me a picture. I went to an Army Navy game. Huh? That's right. <laughs> Go Army. <laughs> Hey, let's. Why, why we talk about? I know you're a Navy guy, but for the first time in a long time, we're seeing it played up in West Point. I think they're obviously going to allow the cadets to be in. But what a great game this is! Just, I mean, let's forget about college football playoffs. Let's forget about NFL. I mean, really, what a great matchup game it is between Army and Navy. And for the first time, go Army! By the way, for the first time. In a long time, Army comes in as a favorite, a very strong favorite over Navy. And obviously, uh, Army's going to have a good bowl selection come this, at the end of the year as well. Go ahead, Ed. Uh, I think it's pretty cool that it's going to be up at West Point. I mean, what a beautiful mm-hmm. campus. And I hope they show some scenes on television of the surrounding area because it's so so beautiful up there. Uh, although I will miss it not being in Philadelphia. That's a biased view because – sure. 45 minutes from the stadium, but um, how many times have you been to that game? I'm looking forward to this change of venue, and I love the. I hope they still do stuff with the environment and let let the uh, cadets in and see all the pomp and circumstance. But as far as the game goes, I yeah, I think it's a good game. I think Navy won last year, right? They snapped a uh, mm-hmm. three-game yeah. win streak, I think, that Army had, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to have to play. 
lights out on defense if they want to win again, because I think this Army offense is pretty high-powered. Yeah. And how many times have you been to that game there in Philly? Oh, I, I would say at least five. Yeah, probably five times. That's awesome. Probably nothing, from what probably nothing else like you know, seeing all the yeah. cadets and midshipmen there. It's probably nothing else like that experience. Right. And I love to watch the – You have to get to three hours before kickoff how everything unfolds because yeah oh yeah it's just an awesome experience to see them all file in and do their cheers and absolutely uh, fantastic environment and and again we talked about this as far as in the in-game process this is a and we talk about this every year but there's going to be very little penalties if you will in this game because they are so disciplined you know we could probably count on 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 one hand of how many people from the navy and army have gone into the nfl obviously there's there's a hall of famer that one that we can think of uh but i mean for the most part there's there's other things going on uh in in the in the world uh, than a football game. But this does give the opportunity for that to happen. Let's get one more game in under our belt, and that's the Vikings and Buccaneers. This has all the makings of being a great game. Obviously, Tom Brady, 7-5 and five with the Buccaneers, and the Vikings are at 6-6. Six and six. Uh, The Bucs' top-ranked rushing defense is giving up just 74 yards per game and has yet to allow a 100-yard rusher this season. Why, Minnesota – Running back Dalvin Cook uh, boasts the league's second most uh, rushing yards at 1,250. This is going to be a great matchup, and maybe not a playoff uh, scenario matchup, but if you want to just sit back and watch a good football game, the Vikings at the Buccaneers is that football game. Ed, go ahead. Yeah, another game with big playoff implications. I mean, here we are in December, and a lot of these games still have a lot of meaning. And, you know, the Vikings aren't out of this yet. Um, and the Bucks, of course, at seven and five, and Tom Brady, they're not out of it either. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a good matchup on the ground. The Bucks are going to have to stop Dalvin Cook to stay in it, and by keeping him engaged in the run game, you'll keep Tom Brady on the bench if you're successful running the ball. Uh, I think Brady has really shown signs of mortality, or you know, he's. He's older now, and we've seen it for the last couple of years. I don't think his arm strength is what it was. And, um, I know he's got a two-year deal here, but this this could be the last hurrah for Tom Brady. I know he won't want it that way, but he right. has not looked as dangerous at all as he has, obviously, through his heyday. So, right, And we'll go right back to that here in just a second, but we'll go right back to that in just a second. I just uh, found out, and thanks, Melissa, for letting me know that the only – People that are going to be allowed inside the Army-Navy game are, are the teams, uh, cadets, and midshipmen. No other fans are going to be allowed, no other anybody else but that, and, of course, the media. We're talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tom Brady. You know, let's let's look at his replacement, Cam Newton, and he's – I know he's my granddaughter's favorite quarterback at least I think it was. She hasn't talked much about him since he left the 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 the, uh, the Panthers because I think she's she's uh, still uh, in love with uh, uh, McCaffrey and she told me one time that that McCaffrey is going to be her boyfriend. So maybe I need to be having a conversation with him because there's quite a bit of an age difference. But nonetheless, I think we're seeing the last of of the Mohicans, if you will, in, in Cam Newton and Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, and others. Uh, that have have just got to that point where you can't beat Father Time. Uh, go ahead, Ed. 
Yeah, uh, you know, Cam Newton's really fallen off here. Everybody thought it was a great signing. He, he was on the market for quite some time to start the season, and the Patriots uh, snatched him up, and he got off to a decent start. But uh, he just hasn't looked like the same quarterback. Uh, and you're right, he might have hit the wall here. But Bill Belichick is still going to go with him. He said after the game he's still committed to Cam being his quarterback. So it doesn't mean anything for the Patriots. I think they're pretty much out of it at this point. Uh, so we'll see if Cam can turn his career around. If he can't, this might be the end of him too. Should I be excited that this is uh, there's not going to be any postseason for the Patriots? Because I kind of am. <laughs> Rick, Rick, go ahead, sir. I, I will say the Patriots had a real chance to just mail it in this year and then take a look at Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields coming out of college. Uh, you know, they get rid of Tom Brady, the prettiest girl at the prom. And they had a shot to break up with her and go get the next prettiest girl at the prom, you know, right? And uh, I think they kind of just whiffed on that. I, I mean, I guess the mindset is not try to go lose games and and you know tank for a, a great quarterback or something. Come out of at, at doing just that. So uh, I think that's kind of a swing and a miss. And he's right, Cam Newton is just a shell of uh, of his former self these days. But I think they have, that's a big miss because they're going to be in the top ten picking right still. But, but these quarterbacks are they're going to be long gone by the time they had the Patriots pick. All right, guys, you're you're, watch, you're watching this. I like Kyle Trask. I like Mac Jones if he comes out. I like the kid from North Dakota State, Trey Lance. I think there's guys. All right, guys, you're watching. You guys are watching this on Facebook. I ask that you just stand by for just a second. We're going to be having a closed shop here on The Balance. Go on over to Facebook. We're going to be on there for about another five minutes or so. Certainly, it'll all be taped and put up there uh, for you as well. Thank you, Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, for joining us today. Also, Rick Riggin uh, joined us all day long. Tony Donahue had some water leaks in his house, couldn't join us. Ed Kratz is also on the Facebook with us and has joined us today, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's been great, guys. We'll, we'll be doing this thing called The Balance every Saturday. Make sure you download wherever you get your podcast at uh, T-Balance on, on, on Twitter. And go to our fan page and, and hit like, and you'll be able to see this entire show. I'm out of here. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.